Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your day so far, and thank you for tuning in today to this podcast segment. Today, we're going to be talking about a little bit more about the home sales that recently came out in the report. A little bit more details had uh, been released after the podcast that we spoke about yesterday. It says here, U.S. existing home sales fall for a third straight month, housing prices at record high. That's the first thing we're going to be covering today. Then we're going to be talking about Spirit Airlines and their call to shareholders to reject JetBlue's current offer. Then we're going to also be talking about the U.S. labor market in the spotlight as the weekly job loss claims hits a four-month high. And finally, we're going to be talking about inflation and how it's infecting areas like Kohl's, how Wall Street's reacting to it, and finally, how Joe Biden's presidency is going to handle the situation currently. However, like we always say before we start this podcast, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to please talk to your own financial advisor before making financial advices because everything on here I say is either based off news articles or is based off my opinion after I talk about them. That being said, guys, let's talk about today's articles. So we talked about yesterday how the use. U.S. housing market was cooling as building permits tumbled, tumbled and started to fall. It was also reported a few hours later that U.S. existing home sales fall for third straight month, housing prices at record high. According from Washington Reuters, U.S. existing home sales dropped to the lowest level in nearly two years in April as house prices jumped to a record high amid a persistent lack of inventory. Existing home sales fell 2.4% to a seasonal adjustment annual rate of 5.61 million units last month, the lowest level since June of 2020, when sales were rebounding from the COVID-19 lockdown slump. It was the third straight monthly sales decline. Economics pulled by Rudders had forecast sales declining to a rate of 5.65 million unit sales, and sales rose in the Northeast and Midwest, but fell in the South and West. Home resales, which account for the bulk of U.S. home sales, declined 5.9% on the year-on-year basis. The bulk of April sales were likely closing on contracts signed one or two months ago before mortgage rates started their rapid ascent. A further decline in sales is likely as contracts decrease for the fifth straight month in March. The 30-year fixed rate mortgage averaged 5.30% during the week ended May 12th, the highest since July 2009, according to data from Mortgage Finance Agency. Freddie Mac. It has increased by more than 100 basis points since mid-March when the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates to cool domestic demand and bring down high inflation. So it's interesting to note that like we had just talked about from yesterday's news article, one of the reasons the housing market was cooling was because building permits were falling down. Okay. Sounds like they're not building a lot of homes these days. And because they're not building a lot of homes, of course, U.S. home sales for the third straight month they would fall. And of course, housing prices are going up because potentially inflation's going up and there's a huge demand and not enough supply currently. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think to build a home, there's a lot of red tape they have to go through and a lot of like compliances that you have to go through in order to build the home. And there's like a rules and regulations, I believe it is. So it's always going to be a problem with the housing market currently, especially right now. But I also think, too, a lot of people just don't have the money currently. I mean, it could be wrong, but the article finally goes on to continue. says the medium existing house price shot up 14.8% from a year earlier to an all-time 391200 in April. 
the medium house price surged 22% in the South, which has seen a rapid rise in sales as Americans move from other regions. The other thing too that might be causing housing prices to increase rapidly is if people are paying for it in cash, like all cash. I mean, if you have people moving out from New York City and and California and all those places to other states because they get tired of the taxes in California, New York, that could be an issue of why housing prices might be going up in price. I personally still believe it's because of inflation as well. But at the end of the day, if there's not enough supply out there and there's huge demand, that's also another reason why prices could be going up. So it says here, supplies likely remain tight. The government reported on Wednesday that building permits for single family housing, the largest segment of the housing market, tumbled to a six-month low in April. Properties typically remained on the market for 17 days, unchanged from the prior month from year to year. 88% of homes sold in April were on the market for less than a month. First time home first time buyers accounted for 28% of sales. Oh, here it is. All cash sales made up 26% of transactions. 26% of transactions for all cash sales. That might be one of the reasons. Who knows? But we do know it's because, like we just talked about, housing permits not as high as they need to be currently right now. So we like I keep saying we need to keep a high keep an eye out for the housing market because if we are in this recession that I think is either here or, like I firmly believe it's already happened right now even though it has to be two quarters in a row I was informed recently about that but I I just honestly believe we're already currently in it but we have to get the reports of two quarters in a row of negative earnings so next article Spirit Airlines calls for shareholders to reject JetBlue bid. Now, we talked about this a little bit the other day, and it's still ongoing currently because this will officially get a shareholder's vote on June 10th. But it's still something we should talk about because there, there might be something of interest currently to look an eye out for this. It says here from Rudders, Spirit Airlines urged shareholders to reject a hostile bid by JetBlue Airlines on Thursday, saying it was a cynical attempt to disrupt its merger with Frontier. JetBlue says its $30 share offer is superior to the value of Frontier cash and stock deal, and regulatory concerns are not a reason to reject its bid. Shareholders are set to vote on Frontier's offer, which currently values Sprint at about $20.33 per share. The question just JetBlue's disclosure Monday that acquiring Spirit has been a strategic objective for many years, adding that antitrust issues would mean a deal could be completed. JetBlue, this uh, JetBlue, which in earlier April offered $33 per share, argues a deal will help it better compete with the big four U.S. airlines that control nearly 80% of the passenger market. The sixth largest U.S. passenger carrier, JetBlue, would operate Spirit under the JetBlue brand, but promised a $200 million reserve breakup fee or $1.80 per Spirit share if the deal did not go through for antitrust reasons. During the extensive discussion held by Spirit and JetBlue, JetBlue itself admitted that a lawsuit from the DOJ seeking to block the merger was 100% certainty. Therefore, JetBlue would have to prevail or settle, which would be contrary to the DOJ's avowed enforcement approach in order to uh, consummate its proposed acquisition of Spirit, Spirit said in a statement. JetBlue responded Thursday to saying, um, correction, JetBlue responded Thursday to Spirit saying, both deals are subject to regulatory reviews and both deals would have a similar risk profile. 
Frontier offers less value, more risk, and no regulatory commitments, despite a similar regulatory profile. Now, the reason I say, I'm say i saying this is something to keep an eye out for, the question needs to be asked is, who's going to benefit the most out of this at the end? Is it going to be the shareholders for Spirit? Or is it going to be someone else? And the only reason I say someone else was, as I was doing research to figure out the rest of the Spirit situation with, with JetBlue, I noticed that at least in the article that I had been reading from CNBC earlier in the week about it, that they had removed a quote about Bill Frankie. Okay. If you don't know, Bill Frankie apparently used to work for Spirit and then he left for Indigo. And then I guess now he's with Frontier somehow. But Forbes, luckily for us, Forbes kept up the quote that I was looking for, or at least part of it, or what I remember reading. From Forbes, the alleged serious conflict of interest refers to Bill Frank. Oh, no, that's not what I want to say. read just yet. First, got to talk about Spirit. Spirit believes JetBlue's proposal and offer are a cynical attempt to disrupt the Spirit merger with Frontier, which JetBlue views as a competitive threat, Spirit said in today's statement. JetBlue responded with its own statement. The Spirit board driven by serious conflict of interest continues to ignore the best interest of its shareholders by distorting the facts to disrupt from their flawed process and protect their inferior deal with Frontier. The alleged, seri the the alleged serious conflict of interest refers to Bill Frankie, the current chairman of Frontier Airlines and the former chairman of Spirit Airlines. Frankie, a newcomer to Forbes World's billionaire list, has built his fortune investing in low-cost airlines. His private equity for firm Indigo Partners has a controlling interest in Frontier and has stakes in several budget airlines around the world, inclu including Europe's Wizz Air, Mexico Volaris, and Ca Canada's Lennox Air. I think it's something that needs to be kept an eye out for. I mean, who's really going to benefit from this merger? Is it going to be the shareholders of Spirit? Or is it going to be Bill Frankie? Okay. Spirit is already rejecting this. US, so we need to be asking the question why. JetBlue is making a pretty bold statement. And I honestly believe that's something that needs to be looked out for. I mean, you never know who's really profiting from these mergers and acquisitions that happen. Bill Frankie might be the one potentially in the end who's winning. But I'm also curious to know how shareholders will vote on June 10th because they'll give us an idea. And the other thing too is, let's say JetBlue gets rejected by the shareholders of Spirit and JetBlue rejects the offer as well. And let's say this goes to the DOJ because of antitrust issues. Is the DOJ going to look into Bill Frankie? Or is the DOJ going to ignore Bill Frankie that he might be receiving all this benefits of this merger to happen? It does seem like a conflict of interest. He's the former CEO of two of the companies that are trying to merge together. Seems a little suspicious. And I'm curious at the end of the day, which members of the DOJ are going to step up and question Bill Frankie and his involvement of this happening. There, there's stuff happening behind closed doors potentially that we don't know about. And, and like I said, this is just my opinion. But it seems a little odd and I, and I and granted JetBlue has has only pointed this out and it just it seems a little weird that a lot of news articles aren't currently talking about the Bill Frankie situation. 
I, I think it's something, like I said, you got to keep an eye out for, especially if you are a shareholder in any of these companies, because you might be getting screwed at the end, but who knows? Maybe I'm completely wrong at the end. So next article, U.S. labor market in spotlight as weekly jobless claims hits four month high. From Washington, Rudders again, the number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits unexpectedly rose last week, reaching a four-month high and potentially hitting at some cooling in demand for workers amid tightening financial conditions. Still, the labor market remains tight, as the report from the Labor Department on Thursday also showed that the ranks of the unemployment unemployed were the smallest in almost 52 and a half years in early May. Signs of embedding demand for labor were also evident in a survey from the Philadelphia Federal Reserve showing a decline in the share of firm reporting higher employment levels and the average work at factories in the mid-Atlantic region this month. The Federal Reserve aggressive monetary policy stance as it fights inflation has sparked a stock market sell-off and boosted U.S. Treasury yields and the dollar. Several retailers, including Walmart Inc. this week, cut their full-year earnings forecast warning that inflation was squeezing profits. Quote, this will lead to slower job growth in the retail and e-commerce industry, said Bill Adams, chief economics and commercial bank in Dallas, Texas. The stock market sell-off could dampen business sentiment and could make businesses more cautious about hiring, especially those that are cash flow negative and rely on investors' money to fund operations like many startups. That's very true. I'm also curious to know too, and this is something I wish they would talk about more on the labor market. What type of jobs are being offered? That's what I want to know. Like if it was like these high paying jobs that I keep hearing, like we need to have that I can understand if there's problems because sometimes finding talent can't be hard, but at the same time, maybe finding talent isn't always the issue. Maybe it's sometimes wanting to take a risk on someone who might not have the talent and then they can become talented. But I also wonder too, that I mean, what if the jobs that they're talking about are mostly like retail or fast food or something along those lines? I mean, is it really then a tight job market if it's that that area? I mean, restaurants in general have thin profit margins and innovation might be key to success for one day, making the restaurant industry a little bit more profitable in the future. But it's something I've always wondered is, I mean jobless claims are hitting a four month high, but apparently it's still a tight labor market out there. So what jobs are being offered right now? Or is it that people aren't accepting these jobs because the pay isn't high enough because we're printing so much money that inflation is causing the value of our dollar to lose its value? I, I don't know at this point. It's it's just an interesting thought process currently. Like there's all these jobs, but apparently they can't fill them in. And now Walmart and Target are cutting their profit forecast? I mean, seems a little suspicious. So, but this ties into now this, the final thing about inflation like we were just talking about. Cold Kohl's cut profit forecast because becomes la- latest retailer to warn of inflation pain. Kohl's Corp cut its full year earnings forecast on Thursday, joining some of the US retailers and warning that red hot inflation is starting to erode profit margins and consumer spending power. Walmart Inc. and Target Corp. reported substantial drops in quarterly earnings this week due to surging fuel and freight costs and warned rising prices are pushing consumers to prioritize spending. Growing evidence of four decades high inflation seeping into the economy sparked a sell-off in retail stocks, 
with Kohl's share sinking about 14% this week. Demand at Kohl's department stores, which dedicated, um, which dictate most of the shelf space to products such as apparel, considered weakened. In April, as consumers started to feel the pinch of soaring prices, Kohl's chief executive Michelle Gass said, the impact of inflation is not expected to abate any time in the near future, company executives said. The company expects sales to improve in the second half of the year as Kohl's expands its partnership with LM, LVMH-owned beauty, beauty products retailer Sephora to more stores. I have a hard time believing that. I don't think the second half of this year is going to be that great. Even Wall Street right now is freaking out too because according to Rudders from New York, Retail apocalypse, Wall Street shaken by inflation due um, inflation-induced earnings hit. Walmart, Target, and Kohl's were among major retailers that reported earnings this week that missed Wall Street's expectations by the widest margin in the in at least five years, underscoring the wallop four-decade high inflation is bringing to U.S. shoppers, wallets, and retailers' bottom lines. Among 145 retailers that have reported first quarter earnings so far, 127 mentioned inflation and 138 flagged supply chain issues, according to Refinitiv data. Higher staffing costs, bloated inventories, and more expensive fuel took a toll on retailer profits, contributing to a market route that saw Wall Street post its worst day since mid of 2020 on Wednesday. Department store chain Kohl's on Thursday became the latest to cite soaring inflation in posting a 92% decline in adjusted profits. Uh, and once again, she, the chief executive, Michelle Gass, blamed higher freight and wage costs and, lo- and lower clothing demand for adjustment earnings of 11 cents per share. That was 59 cents short of analysis estimates of the gap of nearly 85%. Walmart Inc., the largest retailer, posted a quarterly profit that fell 25%, marking its first uh, first miss in five quarters. The gap of 12.3% Wall Street expectations and Walmart's earnings per share figured was the wide, widest since uh, since at least 2017. And finally, for rival Target Corp, which saw its profits um, have, the margin between expectation and reality was 29%, which is also the biggest in the least five years, according to Refinitiv. I mean, it's ridiculous that Wall Street was but Wall Street was probably thinking this party was going to last forever with all the free money that was being printed and sent out to people. I mean, just how dumb can you get sometimes? Seriously, Wall Street. If in, if you're printing money, the value of the dollar is going down. Sure, Wall Street, you're not going to feel it as much because sometimes if you buy certain stocks, I believe during inflation times, I mean, the, the price of the shares might go up. But I mean, I don't fully know that fully. But it just seems like Wall Street was just like, oh, the party's never going to end because there's people are going to keep spending money. Things are good. I think Wall Street loses sense of reality sometimes. I mean, when Amazon reported negative earnings, I don't remember it was negative earnings, but I I know Amazon didn't have the best quarter. That should have been a huge warning sign right there that things are slowing down. I remember once talking to my dad and he said that he remembers that before 2008, he remembers seeing a lot of trucks going around delivering packages. And then he says when 2008 had happened, the truck stopped. And then when the economy started picking up again, which I do remember this too, I did recognize there were a lot of trucks going around delivering packages and now it seems to be slowing down. I still think we're in this quote unquote 
recession already currently, but we'll, we won't really know until next quarter when the earnings come out. But the last thing we do need to talk about, and I have been saving this article all week to talk about because I wanted to see how uh, companies were reporting. And now I know. Biden team sees few options on inflation before November midterms. The Biden administration is increasingly feeling it has little control over short-term inflation, officials say, and is looking for ways to offset the political risk uh, from price hikes in the months leading up to the November election. Data last week showed inflation still at a 40-year highs, but slightly off an earlier peak. The economy and Biden handling of of it are top issues for voters and lowering the cost of meat, gas, and other household staples is the key way Biden and his fellow Democrats could defend control of Congress in November midterm election, strategists say. But any U.S. president ability to cut prices in the short run in global markets for products from oil to grains is limited, White House advisors say. Influence over supply chain bottlenecks related to China's COVID shutdowns and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, both driving up price and are even further out of reach, they say. The administration expects inflation to ease further from its recent uh, breakneck pace as the year progresses, the advisor said, but not to the level that would deemed acceptable. In response, the White House, which re until recently depicted the inflation surge as uh, transitory, has developed a three-pronged strategy act and aggressively as it as it can on prices, it thinks it can impact on the margins. Stress roll on Russia, President Vladimir Putin, and the pandemic, and the attack Republicans suggesting their economy policies would be worse. The untested shift in messaging comes after some Democrats told the White House it was too slow to take political problems of inflation seriously. Democrats say that it's too early to tell if the new message will sway voters. Quote, there are some over-promising and under-delivering, said Jane, uh, Jason Furman, economic professor at Harvard University and a former top advisor to President Barack Obama. Now the message is more realistic, but he said it is unclear whether the new messaging would satisfy voters. Here's the thing. It just seems like no matter what they do, it's just going to make things worse in the end. I mean, Washington's a giant mess right now. They They keep... I mean, they recently spent $40 billion and they sent it to Ukraine. And they've also been spending all these bills. They, they just spend, 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 spend. You can't spend your way out of this problem. You just can't. It's, it's insane. I mean, even here, Republicans blame Biden's $1.9 trillion American rescue plan and other policies for driving inflation. Although prices started to jump before he took office, and the phenomenon has been global. Um, executive orders messaging. For its part, Pres uh, Biden's White House has criticized companies for taking home record profits. Yeah, record profits. It's called inflation. And making stock buy buybacks while charging high prices. It has also tried to increase competition in industries like meat packaging partnered with retailers to unsnarl supply chains at ports and railway and railways and release oil from strategic reserves to try to improve, to try to push down prices. Yeah, the oil situation we've talked about a lot. We, we just got to drill more. The White House strategy ahead of November 8th election is to identify and use as many executive actions as possible to provide relief to the Americans struggling with high costs. Yeah, the, the executive actions, don't think that's going to help at all. But some policies could prove to be double-edged swords, cutting student loans. Okay, that's 
Okay, that's a whole other topic for another day. Cutting student loans helped the borrowers, but increased inflation for the economy as a whole, said Furman. Other potential measures, especially cutting import tariffs, would lower cost a bit, but are fraught with political risk of their own and many not meaningful and alter fundamental inflation dynamics, officials said. This is just going to keep getting insane at the end of the day. There's they, they, they don't really have an answer, it seems like. And if you do follow politics, and because we have to follow a little bit of politics here because of our channel, there, there's a chance that the market is going to be super rocky until after the midterm elections. And then even then, the policies that they make are going to determine a lot with the market. If they don't get this under control, it's going to be a bloody mess in Washington. It's, it is. There's going to be a lot of people who are getting kicked out of office because the American people are eventually going to get fed up with it. Eventually, people get fed up with being pretty much hurt, especially if people's savings accounts start getting drained. I mean, we just read yesterday that people are tapping into this their emergency savings and they're starting to use credit cards to pay for stuff. That's a sign of desperate Americans. And it's not going to be pretty. And to be honest, in Washington, there's no answers right now. Things seem to only be getting worse. So we got to keep an eye out for this stuff. Because like I said, it could affect the markets at any moment in any day. So, but yeah. Thank you for listening for today's podcast, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I have some exciting news to tell you all. We recently just passed the 500 downloads mark. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast and helping support this podcast in general. I ask too, like I always, that we can help continue to grow this channel because our next goal will be able to get to a thousand downloads. I ask that if you did enjoy this content today, that you please follow this podcast and share it with friends or family so that we can be able to continue to grow this message and be able to keep talking about what's happening in the market and also what's happening in general with just what's happening. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.